0: Good morning, friends. Welcome to The Well. My name is Ryan Gear. I'm the pastor here. If you're new with us, you're our guest, and we're glad you're here. And if you'd like to let us know you're here, just text the word WELCOME to 480-530-7234. It'll text you back with a digital connect card. Just fill that out and tell us about yourself, and you'll get more information about The Well. Thanks for being with us today, and Happy Easter to you. And today, we're celebrating Easter. We're also celebrating the two-year anniversary of The Well. We started weekly services back on April 7th, 2019. And uh, a year ago, the COVID lockdown had just started and we celebrated our first anniversary online only. And at that time, of course, we were all just going from store to store looking for toilet paper and wondering how all this was gonna turn out. We thought, you know, COVID might even last all the way to this summer, which is almost a year ago now. And we just didn't know what, uh, what this year would hold, but here we are. Uh, celebrating Easter again and right now we're having an outdoor service at Hancock Elementary School in Chandler and we appreciate you joining us online wherever you are and welcome today happy Easter to you and I got a Facebook message recently from someone from Michigan a gentleman who is 89 years old I won't use his name but he's been watching services online and, and sharing them with his friends and he sent me a very kind message and I wanted to read just an excerpt of what he sent to me. He said, I'm an 89-year-old follower of Jesus, grew up in a conservative church, went to college, earned a degree in engineering, earned a doctorate and spent 40 years teaching engineering. I was born during the Great Depression. As a result of many life experiences, I now consider myself on the left edge of progressive Christianity. Uh, I'm sure all financially affluent, predominantly white churches have a mixture of Democrats and Republicans. My church is no exception. Several years ago, that mixture didn't seem to be a problem. During the, he, he uses the name of a politician that we won't name today, but he says during the recent blank era, it has become a problem. I don't believe a church should should support a political candidate, but I do believe we must speak to the issues. Amen to that. And here's what he writes. So why am I writing to you? I'm one of the 15 men in a church book study group. This group has existed for 40 years. Three of the members are active or retired pastors. We pass the leadership around to all the members. I serve as the organizer of the group. For the last 10 years, I've played a major role in selecting what books to study. And then he went on to talk about books that we've discussed here and then sermon series here in the well that he has watched. And he said, I also applaud your series, if God gave you a brain, it's okay to use it in church from this past January. I've suggested that our group listen to the one on science and the Bible. If you decide to move to the Detroit area, I will join you. Since that seems highly unlikely, do you know of any similar churches in the area? I'm also curious. And then he concludes, I greatly admire what you at The Well are doing. And I apologize for taking up your time reading all of this. You can blame it on my academic training. It is clear to me that you understand the message of Jesus, which is love everybody. Tough to follow, but clearly the answer to what it means to be his follower. I wrote him back and and thanked him for his kind words and asked him if I could read his message here in the service. And sir, if you're watching right now, thank you very much. Um, And we have been blessed during the COVID lockdown as a church to get to meet people from all over the country who have been watching these services online. And so even though this has been an incredibly difficult year, we do have some things to be thankful for as we celebrate the two-year anniversary of the well. And most importantly, today we're celebrating Easter. So we have kids joining us in the outdoor service today because we're not having a children's ministry. All the kids are with their parents outdoors right now. And I know that, you know, as you watch online, sometimes those of you who have kids, they they overhear the sermon. And so I, I do want to talk to kids a little bit today and to adults And so if you're listening right now and you're a kid, I have a question for you. Have you ever heard the saying, what is right is not always popular and what is popular is not always right? Have you heard of that saying? Sometimes a lot of people will think something is okay, but it's not okay because it hurts people like bullying, for example, there might be a bully who makes fun of other people in school and maybe while that bully is making fun of somebody there are people standing around laughing and and it seems like at the time bullying people is popular it seems popular in that moment to be a bully because other people are standing around laughing but bullying people is never right and sometimes adults need to be reminded of that too sometimes an, an entire country needs to be reminded of that what is popular is not always right and what is right is not always popular. Jesus was bullied. On the Friday before Easter, Jesus was bullied by people who hit him, made fun of him, and who hurt him very, very badly, and who ultimately took his life. And there were other people standing around laughing at Jesus, insulting him. And in that moment, In that crowd, hurting Jesus, bullying Jesus seemed popular, but it wasn't right. And for the kids and the adults here in 2021, it's important to know that Jesus was bullied by deeply religious people. The people who actually crucified Jesus and the people who shouted, crucify him, crucify him, were deeply religious people. They talked about God a lot. They talked about their scriptures a lot. They attended weekly religious services. They saw themselves as the moral people in society. They believed that they stood for morality. They saw themselves as clean and other people as unclean. They looked disapprovingly down their noses at other people in society who they viewed as not as moral as them. Jesus was hurt by very religious people. And then there were people like Pontius Pilate, who was the governor in this area, and who actually condemned Jesus to the cross, and he saw himself as restoring order. He was a law and order guy. Pilate saw himself as keeping order in society, even though it was unjustly violent against people who did not have privileged places in society. So all of these deeply religious and orderly people believed what they were doing was right, and it seemed popular to them at the time but it was still wrong as you look back over this past year have you been hurt by deeply religious people maybe one on one maybe people in your family maybe your friends maybe coworkers who believe what they were doing is right i'm probably but it's obvious to you that their views their view of other people the way they act the way, what they say is not right It might seem popular to them, but it's not right. Over this past year, have you been hurt by religious people who have said or done things they believe were right, but it was obvious to you that it wasn't right? Somebody I know told me this story and gave me permission to share it, that uh, this past fall, she was on a Zoom call with some people in her, her family who live in another city. And during that call, one of her family members started talking about politics. And this person is a self professing Christian. And they started talking about the civil unrest in cities that was happening at that time. And, and this person said, referring to an entire race of people, we can't let the, and then the racial word, take over our cities. We can't, we can't let the blank take over. Our cities and she was so shocked by his statement that she she didn't know how to respond and the call ended and she needed some time to process that call and then the next time they were on a zoom call together she said to that person and her family as gently as she could last time we talked you said this we can't denigrate an entire race of people that's racist and it's wrong and she stood up for what is right. What is always popular is not always right, and what is right is not always popular. Have you been hurt? Do you think our country has been hurt by deeply religious people who are blinded to their own, perhaps, hatred? If so, you are not alone, because so was Jesus. The Gospels tell us Those are the kind of people who crucified Jesus. This is the great irony that so many people who consider themselves religious and talk about Jesus and and call themselves Christians and, and engage in the most Bible talk, it's easy for many of us to see parallels between them and the people who crucified Jesus. Jesus was crucified by deeply religious people, people who believed in order and morality, who believed they were doing the right thing even though they were being violent and unjust, looking down on other people and causing an immense amount of suffering. So how did Jesus respond to these deeply religious people who hurt him? Now, Jesus spent his entire ministry speaking out against this kind of behavior, and talking about how God is good, and God loves everybody. And, and he actually criticized the deeply religious people who looked down on others. Jesus was not silent about what they were doing. That's why they crucified him. But the way Jesus spoke out, and the way Jesus viewed other people was very different than the religious, or the deeply religious people who hurt him. He did not bully them back. Jesus did not engage in violence. Jesus did not hit people or bully people. Jesus believed that God loved everybody or that God loves everybody and that we should love everybody. Jesus responded by speaking the truth in love. That statement actually comes from the New Testament letter to the Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 14, when, when the Apostle Paul writes, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Have you seen a lot of deceitful scheming over the past year? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. We don't bully people back. We don't act violently or hatefully. We don't look down on other people. We stand up for what is right. Even if it doesn't seem popular in the moment, or popular in our family, or popular in our circle of friends, even if we're afraid, we stand up for what is right because that's what Jesus did. We stick up for people who are being bullied in school and in society and on the sidewalk outside of a convenience store with somebody's knee on their neck. We stand up for people who are being bullied because of the color of their skin or because they're perceived as being different in some way. We stick up for people who are bullied because uh, we realize that what is always popular is not always right, and what is right is not always popular. Jesus stood up for people who are bullied. And he was bullied and killed for it. Now, God saw all of that happening. He saw what happened to Jesus. And God said, that's not right. That's not how this story is going to end. I'm not going to let bullying and arrogance and hatred and injustice and violence have the last word and the scripture tells us this is what happened from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 7. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled The scripture tells us that God raised Jesus from the dead because God was not willing to let bullying and arrogance and injustice and hatred and violence have the last word. Bullying, injustice, violence never have the last word. Whether it's Jesus or Martin Luther King Jr. or Elizabeth Cady Stanton or George Floyd or Sojourner Truth. Their difficulty and suffering did not have the last word. Their teaching or their suffering led to movements that changed the world. On the other hand, dictators who divide society and inflame hatred do not have the last word. Things did not end well for Hitler and Mussolini. That kind of behavior, no matter how bad it gets, does not have the last word and for people who want to follow Jesus the resurrection of Jesus is believed to be a guarantee of that that that's how God operates in the world just when you think there's no hope that's when a new day dawns when you are convinced you've reached the low point and this is it there's a way to tie another knot on the end of the rope just when you think it's over for you We can apply this to society and what we're all going through right now or we can apply it to your own life. Wherever you are, however you feel, whatever is happening in your life. If you feel like this is the end and you're not sure how much more you can take and you're tired, this is not the end for you, friend. The resurrection of Jesus means that there is always a new start and you might be thinking I can't see it there can't be a new start I can't see it there there was a tomb with a large stone blocking the entrance there was no expectation that that stone would be rolled away nobody could see that stone being rolled away you you have no way of seeing or imagining how the stone could be rolled away in your life but that's the whole point the resurrection of Jesus means when you are when you, when you convinced there is no way, there is always a way to have a new start. That's true for us as a people, as Americans, and that's true for you personally. Whatever it is you're facing, however you feel right now, you may not have words to describe the depth of the despair you feel. You might feel like a dark tomb with a stone rolled in front of the entrance. That's the whole point, friend. The resurrection of Jesus means there is always a new start. Suffering is not the end. And we can always have a new start. We have just lived through one of the most difficult years in our history. We have had so many Events and, and realities of COVID-19 and the division of society and the tension in our society heaped on top of us and it has been an anxiety-filled year. No one knows when the COVID lockdown will end. We, we hope maybe we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel, but we can reflect on what we've been through, each of us individually and together, and, and allow this to be a time where we can learn and grow and prepare for life moving forward. Whenever the lockdown ends, we don't know what it's going to happen, but whenever it does end, we can be prepared to create some kind of new normal. We're not ever going to go back to normal. Normal wasn't working anyway for many of us. But we can prepare for a better life after the lockdown ends. And quickly, I want to talk about where we're headed starting next Sunday. We're beginning a new sermon series next Sunday called Reset: Life After the COVID Lockdown. And during this series, we're going to ask ourselves this question. What have you learned about life during the COVID lockdown that will help you after the lockdown ends? It's, it's given us the opportunity to hit the reset button, to reflect on what we've learned about life during the lockdown and then think about, you know, how could I apply that after the lockdown ends and my life could be better? And to help us to structure that sermon series we're going to look at a familiar passage, in, for many of us, from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And I would be willing to bet, for the most part, whatever it is you've learned about life during the, during the lockdown that would make your life better after the lockdown could fall under one of these nine words, or nine categories. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Chances are what you've learned about life has something to do with one or more of those words. And so this is a series based on what's called the fruit of the Spirit, those words. And we're going to be asking, what have we learned that can make our lives better after the lockdown And so, I want to show you the quick promo video for the series, and then we'll, we'll wrap up the sermon. Let's watch. this chance to hit the reset button and join us next week online only next week april uh, april 11th for reset life after the covid lockdown there can always be a new start all right so a woman named kat wrote a story in the news recently called amid the rise in anti-asian hate incidents i reached out to the boy who bullied me 20 years ago and this is what happened We've seen this rise in in Asian and anti Asian violence during COVID 19 because it's been blamed on Asian people by some politicians. And here's what she wrote in the article The recent rise in anti Asian hate incidents, mostly against women, has rattled my senses. Now I walk more quickly down the streets looking over my shoulder. My heart hurts. I've tried to think of something I can do to feel less powerless, how I can make meaning out of the meaninglessness. So I decided to turn to my own past and reach out to a boy, now a man, who was cruel to me for years, all because, all because I am Asian. And she says she grew up in North Carolina and she rode the bus to school every day. And, and the only adult was the bus driver and so there wasn't much supervision and she was the only Asian on the bus. And so she said she was easy prey for a few mean kids on the bus who made fun of her. They called her names that we can't repeat here. And they made fun of her in other ways. And she wrote, and none of the other kids intervened, not once. The most frequent offenders were two boys whose faces and names I'll never forget. They were each almost twice my size. I got so tired of choking back tears, the memory of their twinkle-eyed sneers still haunts me. And in the age of social media, she got this idea. She wondered what would happen if she reached out to those boys who bullied her. What would they say? So she looked them up on Facebook and she decided to message them and ask asked them if they remembered bullying her. She wrote, "I opened up Facebook Messenger, gulped hard and hit send. I prepared myself for the possibility that he would lash out at me or gaslight me with denials. But my driving force was curiosity, not vengeance." And then she says, after 10 chest pounding minutes of seeing the three dots bubble in his corner, I received one of the loveliest, most vulnerable apologies I've ever gotten. The guy who used to bully her wrote back, I'm really sorry for making you feel that way. I was definitely, and then he calls himself a name that we can't say on Easter Sunday. I was definitely an blank kid. Not making excuses at all because I feel horrible knowing I made you feel that way. He added, I acted out through much of my younger life because honestly I wasn't happy and peaceful with myself. There are a lot of things in life I wish I could take back and this is definitely one of them. She wrote in this article, I sat on my couch and cried. My heart healed more in an instant than I thought possible. He and I went on to chat for more than 30 minutes, and agreed we wish we could hug and introduce our children to each other someday. There is always the possibility of a new start. For people who want to follow Jesus, the resurrection means there can always be a new start. Jesus was hurt by deeply religious people who probably believed they were doing the right thing. And they were blinded by their own assumptions, by their own prejudices. And even though their actions were violent and self-evidently wrong to any outside onlooker, they believed in what they were doing and, and they couldn't see it as wrong. And it even seemed popular to many of them. But what is popular is not always right. And what is right is not always popular, whether it's in school, or whether it's in society, or whether it's in politics, or whether it's in a country, Jesus did the right thing. And he spoke up for the vulnerable, even though it cost him. It cost him his life. But God said, that's not right. And I'm not going to let that kind of hatred and injustice and violence and death be the end of the story. And for followers of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is it is like a deposit paul says it's like a guarantee that that's how god operates in the world and when we believe that there's not hope or we're not sure there is we're, we're pessimistic maybe about our country the resurre- the resurrection means for us there can always be a new start no matter how bad it gets for each of us individually wherever you are maybe you're bullied maybe you maybe you feel bullied by society Maybe you feel estranged from your family. Maybe you're hurting financially. Maybe you've, you're tempted to give up hope in all kinds of ways. Maybe relationships are breaking down for you. Maybe work stress during the time of COVID is, just, is crushing you right now. And maybe you feel like a, a dark tomb with a large stone rolled over the entrance. The resurrection of Jesus means there can always be a new start. As, as much as it might be hard to believe, that's the whole point. Nobody saw the resurrection coming. Even if you feel like you you can't see a new start, you, you never see it coming, the resurrection of Jesus means there can always be a new start. Will you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you, thank you. That in the darkest of times, when life feels like a tomb with a large stone, rolled in front of the entrance. That that pain and suffering and hatred and violence and injustice is never the end of the story. That is not how you operate. The resurrection resurrection of Jesus means for us, the way you operate in this world is that the worst thing is never the last thing. It's always darkest before the dawn. And that no matter how tempted we are to give up hope, that, that darkness is never the end. Whether it's for us as Americans, whether it's for us as individuals, when we're tempted to give up hope, that's never the end of the story. In the resurre- resurrection of Jesus, you looked at that, that pain and suffering and death, and, and you said, you declared, this is not the end. And God, that's how you operate in the world. For our country, for those of us who are struggling to have hope, for those of us who feel mistreated or left behind by our families or left out, or we feel like, you know, they think it's popular to hate people. And we feel left out. What is, what is popular is not always right. What's right what's not, is not always popular. And God, even in our suffering, when we struggle to see hope, you have declared This is not the end of the story. And as hard as that may be to believe, that's the whole point. Nobody saw the resurrection coming, but the resurrection is how you operate in the world and in our lives. And there can always be a new start. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the meaning of Easter. In Jesus' name, and everybody said,